Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers, but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. Our pilot this month is Peak Eve by Lon Zimmett. It's a very funny pilot, a very likable, unlikable main character. Lon got his start on a show called Worst Week, which I uh, worked on as well, and that's where we met. Uh, From there, he went on to Scrubs and Happy Endings, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Superstore. He created L.A. to Vegas and Outmatched. Uh, And he wrote this pilot, Peak Eve, and sold it to FX. I should say... Now, it's an FX pilot. It definitely has an edge, and it deals with suicide in a pretty irreverent way. Uh, And if that could be difficult for you to listen to, this may not be the best dead pilot for you. We've got uh, lots of others. But don't don't be scared off. Um, It's it's really fun, uh, and it's a great cast. Dylan Galula, perfectly cast. Dylan Galula uh, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Loot. Uh, Binyam Bizunay from Dave, Aparna Brielle from AP Bio, Trey Hall from the upcoming show Platonic, uh, friend of the pod, Craig Kakowski from Drunk History and Veep and so many other things. Uh, back with us, another returning uh, actor, Jamie Moyer from The Great North and AP Bio, and another returning actor, Charlie Kuntz. From community, we also had Savannah Rodan from Miracle Workers. Uh, hey, if you want to see all those folks reading, um, become a Max Fund member. As little as five dollars a month, you'll get access to the video and all of our bonus content from past years, which is a lot at this point. Go to maximumfund.org/join. Okay, enjoy Peak Eve after a brief message. Oh my gosh, hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture trivia podcast, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play games like motivational speeches. It goes a little like this. Riley, give us an improvised motivational speech on why people should listen and subscribe to Troubled Waters. I look around this ad and I see a lot of potential to listen to comedians such as Jackie Johnson and Josh Gondelman, and they need you to get out there and listen to them attempt to figure out sound rebus clues or determine if something is a Game of Thrones character or a city in Wales. I have chills. I'm going to give you 15 points. All that and so much more on Troubled Waters. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Lon Zimmett. It's so good to see you. Welcome. You too, Andrew. Thanks it's, for uh, having me. Oh my gosh, this was great. I was so happy to get the script. Uh, it's, you know, we worked together a long time ago on the cult classic Worst Week. Um, sure. Tell us about, <laughs> yes, tell us about um, Peak Eve that we're about to hear. Um, this was a script I wrote a few years ago. I just kind of wanted to write about a slightly unlikable kind of jerk. And so I just decided uh, I was going to write it as a spec because I felt like there was no way my agents were going to sign off on this if I tried to pitch it to them. So I just kind of sat down and wrote it over a few weeks. Uh, And yeah, and then it turned out people liked it. It ended up selling as a spec to FX. 
um, who, you know, wanted to see a second script. So I ended up actually writing a second script for this and unfortunately never went, but it still, you know, holds a special place in my heart because it was a fun one to write. And I like that character. It's a great character. And I'll forgive that little humble brag there about writing it in a few weeks. Um, (laughs) Okay, let's uh, let's let everybody hear it. Thanks, Lon. We'll talk more at a later date. But here we go. This is Peak Eve, the pilot written by Lon Zimmet. We fade in to bedroom. Eve lies in bed. She's early 20s, caustic cynicism that she mistakes for being smarter than everyone else. She tries to fall asleep, but it's not happening. There's music and laughing coming from the other room. Her roommates are making too much noise. She puts a pillow over her head, turns on a white noise machine, sends a text. Can you keep it down? Finally, she gets up, stomps down the hall into the kitchen where her parents, Deborah and Alan, are hanging out with another couple in their 50s, all of them rapidly approaching drunk. Eve, you're up. You remember the Pope Rouches, don't you? Yes. Hi. You guys keep it down a little? Oh my goodness. This is little Evie. I cannot believe how big you are. You used to do the cutest little dance routine to be our guest. Oh, that was adorable. Do you remember it? Could you do it for us? Come on, dude. I just want to go to sleep. Just once, please. I'm tired and I'm a grown up. Well, not so grown up if you're still living with your parents. Wait, I remember you now, Mrs. Pope Roush. You used to come over crying all the time after you found that video. She turns to Mr. Pope Roush. That one of you face down on the floor, yelling at the two prostitutes sitting on your back to ride you like a canoe? Everyone's face turns white. But good for you two, working it out. So you, do you still want that dance? And off their looks, we cut back to Eve's bedroom. She's back in bed. No more music, no more laughing. The house has gone silent. She settles in, closes her eyes, and nope, still totally awake. And we cut to the main titles. We're in the bathroom. It's gross in the way all 24-year-old guys' bathrooms are gross. Eve stands on a scale. She stares down at the number, staring back at her. That's not right. She gets off, gets back on. Same number. We go into the apartment. It's a studio apartment decorated with faux Eastern philosophy, spiritual bullshit. Marcus sits at his laptop. He's mid-20s, probably has launched or is in the process of launching a failed T-shirt company. Hey, baby, can you uh, read this? Tell me what you think. Like, does it fill you with hope about an uncertain future? Also, are there typos? He heads into the bathroom. Eve sits at the computer. Sending positive energy to your spirit. Your light was brief, but blinding. What? Yo, where's my scale? I threw it out the window. What's this email about? He steps out from the bathroom. You you what? Why would you do that? It was broken. It was upsetting me. Who are you emailing this to? It was broken, so you threw it out of the window? Oh my God. Why do you even have a scale? You're a guy. That's a girl thing to have. It's weird. That's not what's weird about this. Can you just tell me what this email is? It's to Josh Lint. I heard he's really sick, like he might die. What? What's wrong with him? I don't know. That's all I heard. Seriously? You ask 35 questions about a bathroom accessory you shouldn't even have, but you hear a person's dying and you're just like, cool things? Lots of guys have scales. I don't... 
We go to Bilk Refrigerated Logistics, the bullpen. It's nothing but cubicles. This is the client services center of the Northeast's fifth largest refrigerated logistics company. Eve sits in a cubicle, only half paying attention to a work phone call as she scrolls through Twitter on her cell phone. Yeah, dude, I get it. You're pissed the shipment was late, but there are bigger problems in the world. Just chill out and appreciate the advantages that life's given you. She hangs up. A huge six foot five planet of a dude walks in cheerful. This is Warbeard. I finally did it. I came up with a name. You ready for this? Warbeard. Huh? Check it out. He hands her a business card that reads, I'm Warbeard, motherfucker. In the corner of the card is a cartoon face with a bushy beard. You made business cards? Yeah, to give out of my matches in case any WWE scouts are there. Isn't it confusing? This cartoon guy has a big bushy beard. Right, yeah. That's me. That's the war beard. But you don't have a beard. No, well, not right now, but I'm going to grow one. Have you ever grown a beard before? Hmm. I grew a mustache once, ironically. At least I think it was ironically. But no, I need this for my brand. You know, the key to making it in the wrestling business isn't the moves, it's the marketing. But since you don't have a beard, wouldn't it make sense to market yourself around something that you do have? Like eczema? Hey, Eve. She turns to see her boss, Laurel, standing at the door. Can I see you for a sec? Eve gets up to follow Laurel and then turns back to Warbeard. Hey, you're like all into working out, right? Do you own a scale? No. I'm not a girl. Eve looks vindicated and walks out. In Laurel's office moments later, Eve sits across from Laurel. I hate doing this, but we've been getting some complaints about you. Are you sure? I handle all the complaints and I screen out the ones about me. Clients say you're bullying them. Now, we did not become the fifth largest refrigerated logistics company by upsetting our customers. I assumed we became the fifth largest refrigerated logistics company just by existing. (laughs) You got to stop. Just be nicer to the customers. They're entitled assholes. I know they are. But the people who run this place are entitled assholes too. So either way, you're cheering for the wrong team. Should I feel motivated now? Laurel looks at her, making an assessment. Hmm. Tell me something, Eve. How often do you cry? Not often, I guess. (laughs) That's your problem. I don't have a problem. I cry all of the time. It is a fantastic way to release endorphins and clear out all that emotional clutter clogging up our brains. I do it twice a week at least. Wow. There's that much clutter, huh? (laughs) How could there not be? These are the, sorry. How could there not be? These are terrifying times, especially for our generation. Are we in the same, aren't you, are you, aren't you 40? Just think about all of the triggers, climate change, shootings, college debt. We're stuck cleaning up the mess the boomers made and getting assaulted three times a day by New York Times alert. We're stuck cleaning up the mess the boomers made and getting assaulted three times a day by New York Times alerts reminding us the world is burning while Noel Klein posts pick after pick on Instagram of her goddamn Tribeca loft. And seriously, how does she make so much fucking money? We have the same fucking major. Eve blinks back at her a beat. All right. So I'll be nicer to the clients. We go to a Starbucks where Eve stands in line with Allie, early 20s, a former ASU party girl, but with growing anxiety issues. Her phone buzzes and she can't look at it fast enough. Then she's immediately annoyed. Oh, this is so frustrating. Every time my phone blows up, I think Ryan's like my thirst trap, but it's just pictures of my goddamn nephew. 
Let me give him a break. He's only a day old. You tell that to my sister. It's like you just had a baby. Put the phone down. You coming out with me tonight? Meeting that hinge guy at a bar and meatpacking, and it's got a whole room filled with foam imported from Ecuador. Uh, I don't support any business that doesn't encourage local foam production. Besides, I'm seeing Marcus. You're still hooking up with that kelp-eating fuckboy? I have to. He owes me $110. If I end it before he pays me back, I'm never going to see that money. I've been trying to get it, but somehow I keep loaning him more. It's, I think he was doing it on purpose, but he's way too stupid for that. He did tell me something crazy, though. Josh Lynn is, like, really sick. He's not sick. He's suicidal. He sent out a mass text saying he's going to kill himself next week. What? He's going to fucking kill himself? And he sent the suicide note before he did it? Yeah, he said something about how the most upsetting thing for people is the shock. So he wanted everyone to have a chance to say goodbye or something. I mean, I don't remember. I read it while I was driving. So Eve is scrolling through her phone. I didn't get it. Let me see. Allie starts searching for it. How could he not have sent it to me? We dated for like four months. And then you broke up with him because you said you deserve someone who has a powerful back. Well, I do. I know. We all do. Here, I found it. Allie hands over the phone. Eve takes it and starts reading. Out of options. Don't feel bad for me. As Nietzsche wrote, one should die proudly when it's no longer possible to live proudly. He definitely Googled that, right? Yeah, he's smart, but not like quoting Nietzsche smart. Still, this is so fucked up. Isn't anyone trying to stop him? I don't know. I barely knew him, so I feel like it'd be weird if I did. I did go back and like a bunch of his instances, though. As Eve processes this, we go to Marcus's apartment, where Eve and Marcus have sex. She's clearly distracted, but he doesn't notice. I've been practicing <laughs> internal ejaculation to reabsorb my sperm, nourish my body, and restore my sexual power. Hey, do you have Venmo? What? No. What about PayPal? No. Everyone knows those companies work with the government to steal your money through impersonal microtransactions. Oh my God, it's happening. Rub my perineum. Well, I don't. Uh, where's that? Oh. And he comes. He looks down to see if it worked. Nope. Boring old external ejaculation. Damn. I really thought I had it that time. Fuck. He rolls off her and heads to the bathroom. Eve lies in bed. There's a knock at the door. Oh, babe, that's the bee pollen I ordered. You have any cash on you? Off Eve's look, we cut to her room. Eve stares up at the ceiling in bed. She tosses and turns. She can't sleep. Her eyes fall on a tissue box on her nightstand. She considers it. And we go to a series of shots. Eve sits on her bed with a box of tissues. She's taking Laurel's advice, trying to cry. She waits for the crying to start scrunching her eyes tight, trying to work herself up and kickstart this thing. Nothing. Pinching herself. Nope. Tries biting her arm. Tries watching videos on her phone of dogs being reunited with their owners back from war. She pulls an onion from the fridge, looks at it. That's stupid. She puts it back. She turns on the TV. We see the opening credits for Schindler's List. On the television, Oscar Schindler holds his ring in his hand, giving his two people speech. We pan over to Eve. She's ignoring it, looking at her phone. The box of tissues still unopened and a chopped onion on a plate next to her. We see what Eve is looking at on her phone. It's Josh Lynn's Instagram. She scrolls through the pictures. Something is on her mind, nagging at her, rolling around in her brain. And off her look, we go to the New, the New Jersey suburbs. Eve knocks on the door of a modest colonial. Josh answers. He's in his early 20s, cute. The kind of guy who'd make you late for a party because he has to pick up his ear medication on the way. Eve? Hi, Josh. 
and we go to Josh's parents' house moments later, where Eve and Josh sit awkwardly at the kitchen table. I like the new haircut. Thanks. I got it six months ago. Oh, I didn't realize. You haven't posted anything in a while. Yeah, all that stuff was kind of annoying me. Sometimes I think I'm living in the wrong era. I feel like I was meant for the 90s. I feel like I would have killed it. I can see that. Except knowing you, if you were in the 90s, you would have felt like you were actually meant for the 70s. Yeah, well, the 90s seemed like they kind of sucked too. So She trails off. It's an awkward beat. And then... Do you want water or something? I don't have much else. My parents are out of town and I only need stuff to last me for like four more days. Really gonna go through with you're really going so you're really going through with this? You're gonna kill yourself? He shrugs. Yep. Yeah, you know how you're gonna do it? Gun to the head, in the car. It wouldn't be fair to my parents to do it in the house. It would really hurt their resale value. Let's consider it. I'm sure they'll appreciate that just as much as having a son who's alive. Eve, what are you doing here? You know what I'm doing here. I've made up my mind. You can't talk me out of this. I left an eye on your suicide text. Wait, my text? That's what this is about? I was the longest relationship you ever had. How did I not make the cut? It wasn't anything personal. I just wanted to keep the list small. How small? How small? 20 people? 50? Not 100. I can't believe this. How about I just send it to you now? I don't want your pity suicide text. He starts walking out and he follows. Wait, are you actually mad about this or is there something else going on? Like, is everything okay? Seriously? You're asking me if I'm okay? You're the one who wants to kill yourself. That's why I feel like I'm kind of an expert on whether someone's okay or not. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. I have never felt better. And we cut to a doctor's office waiting room where Eve approaches the receptionist. I'm Eve. I have a nine o'clock appointment with Dr. Kendall. The receptionist hands her a clipboard with a stack of forms. Fill these out. I'll take them when you're done. We don't have to go through all this. I've been here before. That was uh, three years ago. Right, I'm pretty much the exact same person I was then. You're still considered a new patient. Come on, the doctor's just going to ask me the same stuff anyway, and I'm only here for a checkup. Do you really need to know my quality of life due to urinary symptoms? You could be done with the first page by now. We both know no one ever looks at these. I'm going to sit down and waste 20 minutes of my life debating whether my grandmother's lupus is important enough to listen to their med- family medical histories just so you can bury it in a folder somewhere. I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother. Eve sighs and gives up. She sits down and starts filling out the forms. She looks at the question, what would you say is your quality of life due to urinary symptoms? She marks, delighted, takes a moment to consider. If she's being honest, she crosses it out and circles, conflicted. In Eve's house in the kitchen, Eve sits across from her mother. It seems serious. Her father is in the next room looking at bills. We need to have a talk. Something clearly isn't working around here. Yeah, did you charge $8 to on-demand Schindler's List? Jesus, not now, Alan. What? I'm glad she's taking an interest, but... Is this about the Pope rashes? It's about your attitude. It's about everything. You don't even like them. What does that matter? They're our friends. I knew it. He holds up a DVD case. (laughs) We own the goddamn thing on Blu-ray. Never even been opened. Alan, listen, Eve, is everything okay with you? Is there a problem we should know about? Why does everyone keep assuming I have a problem? Sometimes it's just nice to spend a Friday night alone with a 30-year-old movie about the Holocaust. We're just wondering if there's something more going on. 
That's right. I read an article recently in the Wall Street Journal about the mental health struggles of millennials and Gen Zers. Apparently, there's been a significant generational shift in mood disorders. Girls and young women are at particular risk. Well, for my money, there's no better way to get to know your daughter than the Wall Street Journal. Honestly, I don't understand it. The economy is strong. The Dow is through the roof. What's the problem? Social media? That's not stressful. I'll tell you what's stressful. Two airplanes crashing into an American symbol of prosperity. Did you know your mother and I were in New York on 9-11? Oh, my God. Really? I mean, it was Syracuse, but... Can we, can we be down here? Okay, Eve. If you say you're fine, you're fine. But the Melfies are coming in from Scarsdale on Thursday and spending the weekend. And if you're going to be home, if you're going to be here, it'd be nice if you didn't tear apart their marriage. Can you manage that? Eve? I'm thinking. We cut to Allie's apartment. Eve sits on the couch with Allie's Chihuahua Yorkie mix noodles while Allie scrambles to pack a suitcase. Thanks for watching him this weekend. Remember, he has three walks a day, and if he poops in the house, please clean it up. Don't just put a plate over it like you did last time. Goodbye, noodles. Make good decisions. Wait, the Wi-Fi is not working. I know. The guy next door changed his password. Oh, while you're here, if you wanted to fuck him and ask him for it, that'd be super helpful. Allie leaves. Eve considers what to do now. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period in ali's apartment eve is splayed on the couch so bored netflix is on the tv with an error message no connection she throws a toy for the dog to fetch he stares back at her like are you out of your fucking mind eve takes out her phone there's a beat and she sends a text. You around? A moment later, the phone beeps back. At Josh's parents' house, Josh opens the door to see Eve standing there holding noodles. You didn't tell me you were bringing a dog. So? My parents have a lot of carpet. You're going to blow your brains out all over the Prius and you're worried about some dog hair on the carpet? Fair enough. He lets her in. In the living room, Eve scrolls absentmindedly on her phone while Josh lies on the ground playing with the dog. Why'd she ask you to watch him? You don't even like animals. I like animals. I just had a bad experience. When I was little, my parents adopted this ancient looking cat so that when it died, they could teach me about death or or loss or something before my sick grandma died. Instead, the cat outlived all four of my grandparents and we spent 12 years with a pissed off tabby who hated us because he knew he was only there to die. Josh throws a toy for the dog who fetches it for him. Eve shoots noodles a look, insulted he wouldn't do that for her. How's the suicide prep going? Pretty good. You have a gun yet? Yeah, I'm using my dad's. What? That's so fucked up. This whole thing's going to be bad enough. Do you know how much worse it'll feel if you're going to do it with his own gun? He's never going to know. Once I'm done with it, I'm going to put it right back. She stares at him pointedly and waits for him to realize what's wrong with that logic. He looks back at her confused. She keeps staring. And finally... Shit. 
and we go to a gun shop. Customers browse the hundreds of wall-to-wall guns, and among all the tatted-up badasses and grizzled hunters are Josh and Eve, who carries noodles in her purse. Can't believe I let you talk me into coming here. I couldn't come alone. That'd be, like, so depressing. I would literally be the least depressing thing about this. Whatever. We're, we're stopping at White Castle on the way home. Josh looks overwhelmed by the options. He spots a salesman. Hi. Excuse me. Uh, can you help me? I need a gun. Sure. What for? Uh, home protection. Eve gives him a big smile and a thumbs up. Good cover. In that case, here's my personal favorite. The salesman opens into. The salesman opens the display case and takes out a 9mm handgun. He hands it to Josh to inspect. All steel build, 15-round capacity, clean, crisp trigger pull. How about mouthfeel or flavor profile? Have you heard of umami? They say it's the fifth basic taste. I don't think I... um... Will it be effective from super, 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 super close range? Uh, Can we have a minute? The salesman gives him some space. Well, that guy doesn't know anything. Josh looks at the gun. I think this should be fine, right? Shouldn't you see how it fits? I mean, would you buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first? Let me see. She tries fitting the gun into his mouth. He snatches it back from her. I'm helping. Josh goes back to the salesman. I'll take this. Okay, then. And how about you, little lady? Times like these. Woman needs a gun. Yeah, but those aren't for me. I want something. She goes to the wall with the shotguns. That sends a message. She picks up the biggest shotgun on the wall, a monster the size of a small cannon. Something that tells any person stupid enough to walk into my home and endanger my family, that he just made the last mistake he's ever going to fucking make. She holds the gun up and aims. Because when that miserable piece of garbage sees me with that gun, he'll know I'm not just holding the power of God in my hands. I am God. And he's going to know it in that moment just before I send him to hell. She pulls the trigger. Josh and the salesman stare at her, mouths open. Then Eve spots a 38 special. Oh, but this purple one is cute. We go to a bus stop where Josh sits with Eve and Allie's dog, waiting for the bus to take Eve back to the city. Sorry I messed up your sale today. I was just screwing around. I didn't mean to scare him out of selling you something. It's fine. It would have been irresponsible to spend $500 on something I'm only going to use once anyway. So They sit quietly for a beat and then... Do you cry a lot? Uh, I guess an average amount. You think if you cried more, you wouldn't be killing yourself because of the endorphins? I don't think it works like that. Besides, I cried kind of recently. Really? Yeah, I, I tried to. It didn't take. What did you cry about? I was at work at lunch and I throw a plastic bottle in recycling Then I panic because I remember seeing on Twitter that you're supposed to take the cap off or it messes up all the machines. So I dig out the bottle, take off the cap, throw the cap in the garbage. Then I panic because I remember seeing something else on Twitter that you're not supposed to throw out plastic bottle caps because they get in the ocean and seals eat them. So I dig that out and now I have no idea what to do. I end up staring at this bottle cap in my hand for God knows how long, paralyzed, totally overwhelmed, and... He pantomized... He pantomimes tears and shrugs. That's not why you're killing yourself, right? Because of recycling? No, I read it all gets shipped to China anyway, so... Then why are you doing it? Josh considers it. It's not one specific thing. It's just, 
I spend so much of every day feeling sad and anxious and scared. And when that passes, I feel guilty because I know I have no right to feel this way when I have it better than so many other people. But that doesn't snap me out of it. It just makes me feel worse. And the more I feel like this, the more I isolate myself. So I'd rather go now when there are still people who will say, what a shame, he had such potential, than to go on 30 years from now when I've got no one left to say anything. Oh, I thought maybe it's because we broke up. I mean, that would have been romantic. She smiles to show that she's kidding. For what it's worth, in 30 years, I'd say something. There's a beat. They slowly lean in and they kiss. The bus rumbles up. Even Josh pulled back. Too bad you didn't say it was because we broke up. We'd probably be having sex tonight. She stands up and heads for the bus with the dog. But before she leaves... What'd you end up doing with the bottle cap? I've got a whole desk drawer full of them. Guess it's someone else's problem now. Eve gives a little nod. Guess so, as she turns and gets on the bus. In Marcus's apartment, Marcus shows off his new cheesy moonstone ring while a bored Eve half listens. And the first thing he showed me was this beautiful rainbow moonstone. That's right away I could tell was a mirror image of my Buddha ring, which has been with me since the day I started my music career. You know that. And get this, get this, baby, which I also bought off a guy's finger. Wait, are you, you actually paid money for that bullshit? Yep. And I didn't even get to the craziest part. We finished the sale at exactly 11.11. Right. I mean, his clock actually said 1109, but you know. Yeah, I get it. But it was, it was universal alignment and manifesting and all that crap. Look, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Wait, what, what do you mean? Why? Honestly, I was just seeing you until I got back the money you owe me, but I don't even care about that anymore. This isn't fair to either of us. You deserve someone who doesn't think you're a moron. Wait, wh what money are you talking about? The $100? I paid you back the night we went out for your friend Allie's birthday. That was literally a month ago. No, you... Oh, I was wondering where I got all that cash from. I thought I got drunk and stole someone's wallet. You were only hooking up with me so I'd pay you back the money that I had already paid you back? If anything, you owe me money for a new scale. Not the scale again. My grandma gave me that scale before she died. What? Are you seriously telling me that scale had sentimental value? She thought it was her ballerina Hummel. She was very confused at the end. Whatever, fine. You want money for a new scale? How much? $30. She opens her bag, pulls out her wallet, and realizes. Shit. Can I pay you back? We go to Allie's apartment where Eve hangs out while Allie unpacks her bag. So you finally ended it? Yeah, he's not worried. Someone else will manifest for him soon. He said he's one of those guys who's so sexy because he doesn't know he's sexy. Well, the other headline from this weekend is that Josh Lint isn't killing himself anymore. He's not? Nope. He sent another text, something about newfound hope and a path forward. I, I don't know. I was face tuning a thought squat when he sent it. <laughs> well, good for him. That's great. It's really. Hmm. What? Just, um. Well, I, I saw him the other night and we sort of kissed. You kissed? It seemed harmless. It's not like I, it could lead to anything. He was going to be dead soon. That's not why he would have changed his mind, right? No, no, I mean, he's got to know that doesn't mean anything. I mean, if a suicidal guy tries to kiss you, you, you have to do it. Actually, well, I think I kissed him. Oh. Yeah, you're fucked. 
We go to Josh's parents' house. Josh opens the front door to see Eve standing there. If you're here to yell at me about not getting my last text, you should know I use the same thread. He smiles and she hesitantly steps inside. No, uh, it's, um, we need to talk. I just want us to be clear about something. Okay. What happened the other night, that's not going to be like a thing. I'm not interested in you like that at all. I, so I, I just want to be sure that this choice you're making, while really great, really exciting, so proud of you, isn't based on, you know, that. You think I decided not to kill myself because we kissed? I feel like there's a pretty direct correlation. So you heard I changed my mind, and your reaction is to come here and say you don't want a relationship? You didn't think that maybe you should just be happy for me? I am happy for you. This is me happy. I'm and also clarifying. I could not be less interested romantically in you. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I never thought you were. Really? Really. So at no point did you think we were in some Nicholas Sparks movie where I show up all mad about your text and said we fall in love on borrowed time? No, that never crossed my mind. She peers at him suspicious. Finally. Well, you kissed me. What was I supposed to think? I knew it. <laughs> I'm sorry for believing magic exists, okay? But for the record, that's not why I changed my mind. Believe it or not, Eve, the mere thought of dating you isn't enough to make life worth living. Okay, there's no reason to be mean about it. And stop pretending the only reason you came to my house is because you were left off a text. We both know why you keep showing up here. Oh, really? We do? And what is that? Because you're messed up right now and you think... Being with the suicidal guy who's even more fucked up than you will make you feel normal. For the first time, Eve is at a total loss. That's, wow, that's, that is so. You're broken, Eve, and not normal broken like everyone else, like broken, broken. I can't believe I didn't see it when we dated. To be fair, half that time I just wanted $50 back you owed me. I'd like you to get out of my house now. Eve nods, nothing else to say, as she leaves. And for the record, I paid you back that $50. He shuts the door. I am terrible at keeping track of money. We go to Eve's bedroom at night. She lies in bed awake, feeling like shit. We hear her parents laughing and partying down the stairs. She seems like she's just going to ignore it. But then instead, she picks up the phone and dials. Hi, I'd like to report a noise disturbance at 4 Birch Street. We go to Bilk Refrigerated Logistics. Eve's on the phone listening as an angry client explodes on her. She looks tired, defeated. She's more passive than we've seen her. You're right. I'd be screaming at me too if someone had elevated the temperature of my flower horns during cross docking. I'll look into it. Um... She just doesn't have the energy for this right now. She sighs and wordlessly hangs up without even finishing her sentence. Laurel, oblivious, sees her from a distance and gives her a thumbs up. Warbeard walks in, showing off the first whiskers of what's going to be a pretty pathetic beard. Eh? What do you think? Looking good, right? He sits at his desk, looking genuinely cheerful about starting his day. Eve studies him for a moment. How do you do that? Do what? Everything is terrible. How are you so happy all the time? Hmm. I don't know. Never really thought about it. He shrugs. Doesn't seem like he's going to start now. Eve turns, takes the last sip from a water bottle, and tosses it in the recycling. 
She notices the bottle cap on her desk and goes to toss that too. Then she stops. She eyes the recycling bin, then the garbage can, back to the bottle cap. No clue. Her phone rings. Probably the flower horns guy calling back. But Eve is oblivious. She doesn't move. She's totally lost, just staring at the bottle cap in her hand. And we cut to the therapist's office waiting room. Eve approaches the receptionist. I'm Eve. I have a nine o'clock appointment. The receptionist hands her a clipboard with a stack of forms. Fill these out. I'll take them when you're done. As Eve bites her tongue and takes the forms, we cut to the therapist's office a little later. Eve sits across from a kind-looking therapist, Dr. Bachner. So, Eve, tell me, what brings you in? Eve chuckles to herself. What? Nothing. It's just... I mean, shouldn't you know already? I filled out all those forms because you didn't get a chance to look at them. No, I did. But uh, unfortunately, under reason for visit, you wrote, I bet the doctor is going to ask me the same question because no one ever reads these things. I can write anything here and it wouldn't matter. If I were a girl cat, I would fuck Garfield. By the way, I'm stealing this pen. Eve looks sheepishly at Dr. Bachner. Here you go. Eve hands him the pen back. There's a beat, and then... So, um... There are a lot of things I've always just accepted about myself. The agitation and anxiety and near-constant low-key dread. It seemed kind of normal because everyone I know feels like this, but I'm starting to think none of this is normal, or at least it shouldn't have to be, right? I don't know. I just don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to spend my life being a cynical, narcissistic asshole who... Her phone buzzes. She stops to glance at it, and then something gets her attention. She starts reading and smiles. Good news? My friend is killing himself again. And he sent me the text. Eve is touched and starts to tear up. She puts the phone away, content. Bachner reacts, slightly horrified. Eve is oblivious. Anyway, what was I saying? And we fade out... End of pilot. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Please come back next week to hear my interview with my old friend, Lon Zimmett. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host, Ben Blacker, and our associate producer, Noah Findling. It is edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. If you like us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a really good way to, for, uh, to help people find us. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about this show. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. Until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.